good evening and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. My name's Steph and joining me are my deep personal friends, Milo, Ram and Ricky. We hang out all the time, don't we, chaps? <laughs> Hi, Steph. Yes, we nice do. Nice to see you, Steph. Hey, Steph. Yeah, what's it? What's it? It's only been like, so it was, saw each other yesterday, yeah, didn't just we? Just over 24 hours, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when uh, we say we saw each other, folks, we saw each other because yesterday at White Hart Lane, you may think that the big news was that Spurs scored two goals for the first time in a Premier League match this season and uh, should have scored four uh, and, uh, you know, I think, fairly convincingly beat Aston Villa. But no, the big news of yesterday was that finally the game is about glory, decided enough is enough. We must come together and help Nuno out with some human energy. We must come together in person at White Hart Lane, spend time over beverages and help push the team across the line. And I'm proud to say that's what we did. Didn't we, chaps? We did. The difference You're makers. welcome, Tottenham fans. That's right. Difference, ma- difference makers. As ever, <laughs> Milo's come up with the title of this week's pod, <laughs> Difference Makers. <laughs> and I've got to say, though, seriously, I mean, I, 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 I said to a couple of friends, um, and I wrote this, I said that for me, you know, the biggest victory of yesterday was won long before the game started and it was the fact that this this wonderful thing that um that Luton helped bring us together for you know we have finally not just tangibilized it with the pod and many many fine episodes I might say but we finally made it real by meeting and uh, I, I'm going to go first and say I was not in the least bit surprised by anyone. You were all as wonderful as I thought you would be. Um, it really felt like I'd known you all for, for decades. And uh, it felt so comfortable and so familiar and and just so right. I mean, I was beaming before I'd even stepped out of the station and petted the Spaniel. More on that later. Um, <laughs> chaps, <laughs> are, 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 are we in step here? 100%. 100% comfortable, as you say. And it's just weird that... Because you always expect meeting someone in the flesh is going to be like a real kind of big moment and maybe a, cha- a game changer in some ways. But it wasn't at all. It wasn't at all. It was just, you know, easy conversation. We could chat about all the stuff that we normally chat about, really, yeah. and even get into things a bit deeper. Yeah, it felt like meeting old friends I'd never met before. <laughs> yeah. And and as uh, Ricky said, it was like us meeting up for the game. It was like just another thing that we did. It was almost like we do it every other week, you know, and going to the stadium and stuff like that. But it was a really special uh, weekend. And I think um, that I, I put this on our um, on our Instagram and I said that, you know, what started off as uh, just uh, a, a bunch of guys um, replying to a, a forum thread has turned into r- really meaningful connections and, and really solid friendships. And um, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And of course, you know, we later had the uh, pleasure of meeting Gareth, which was fantastic. Resplendent, I might say, with his tracksuit. Uh, I actually had never tabbed him as a full kit wanker. <laughs> <laughs> that's a harsh. That's, that's a bit naughty what I've just said, isn't it, really? But, yeah. but I mean, he'll, but you know that Gareth will hear this. And he will he will smile. He will understand the humour. Um, and another person that I think uh, would have uh, had a blast, of course, is uh, is awesome. Uh, yeah. He would have. I mean, that would have been his element for sure, especially uh, in Beavertown. Uh, well, before and after the game, actually, yeah. <laughs> he'd have been in his element. I'm sure. And of course, Luton, um, who uh, Ram and I uh, met up with the night before which was a real pleasure and, and really great to, to meet him because, um, yeah, as I told him, he's the reason that we came together. Absolutely. Before I get into the game is about glory, recognising the game is about glory and creating glory on the field, as I truly believe our uh, human alchemy did, uh, let me uh, bring this week's intro question to you. And I'd like you to tell me which famous people you've been told that you look like. Anyone here who says Sean Connery can do one immediately. Okay? <laughs> don't even try. Because I'm... Don't even try. All right? Uh, Milo, first. You. Okay, let's go first, do I? Um, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, you do, yes, absolutely. Because I know you'll be exceedingly uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so I'm, not, I'm not saying I look like any of these people. These are just people I've been told I look like, or people have said before. So I had, I had Vic Rees a few times. Um, 
definitely don't look like, but I've been told Keith of Sutherland. Um, Sally Fletcher from Home and Away. Um, but probably the weirdest <laughs> one is I had a doctor, a, G- a GP once who told me I look like Pete Wiggs from St. Etienne. And I, I, I don't, I, 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 I wasn't expecting that from my GP when I'd gone to see him about an earache. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, one of those is quite accurate actually and i'll let our listeners uh try and figure out which one uh might well not that accurate but it is i could see where someone might say that but that's actually as much about your uh, your presence as 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 visual i think as well i didn't know you're a big home and away fan steph (laughs) (laughs) all right all right very good i'm not going to top that ram (laughs) <laughs> all right uh i i seem to have i had a uh quite a few that i could think of so just off the top of my head i've had it's not about who you want to look like it's about no. who people have said you look like yeah so i've had uh <laughs> so a lot of these are pre-facial hair so there's uh jimmy mystery from east is east and he was in eastenders and the guru mm-hmm. um mido <laughs> uh of, of, of spurs legend <laughs> after a big um, lunch <laughs> Yeah. Um, Who else? A a young Al Pacino, which I'll take uh, back in the day. But that's that's another one. And this one, I wasn't sure whether to say, because it is a bit of a massive name drop about the person who did call me it. But I'm going to say it and sound like a twat. But uh, but when I was younger, uh, Amy Winehouse said I looked like an Indian Elvis. And whenever I see... Whenever I hung around out with her a few times, I'd come into the room and she'd go, Elvis has entered the building. So I, I think oh. that's the one I've got to go with. And I'm sorry for the massive name drop and for being a twat. I was about to say there's a giant crash in the background <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out if it's two cars or a name dropping. Goodness gracious. Unbelievable. Not, not only that. You've done a reverse name job in by actually saying that mm. Amy Winehouse regularly referred to you as Elvis. <laughs> I won't say I won't I won't <laughs> say regularly, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, on a few occasions. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you, Ram. If that was me, I'd be using that as my name on all, on all social media platforms and. <laughs> <laughs> Even the ones that have been taken down by the hackers. <laughs> They'd be all over your records immediately. They'd be like, oh, but I haven't had I haven't had anything um post facial hair, so I don't uh, you know, Matt, I don't know if anyone any of you can think of anyone, but yeah. No, but I've got oh. some advice I've got some advice for you, mate. Lose the facial get a, hair. Get a fucking razor and shave <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> Well, Ricky, I have to say uh, it's going to be hard for anyone to top that, but you, my friend, can try. I, I'm, I'm probably not. Not many people have actually ever said to me that I look like, apart from Brian Hill's dad, and um, I think I proved to that I don't look that much like. I probably look more like Brian Hill, especially when I had the old more of a mop of a hair. But um, keeping in the vein of mop of hair, when I was when I was younger, well, this is probably my twenties and that. I did have a few people say, especially playing football and that, that I did have a slight resemblance to Patrick Berger because I had the mop of hair mm. then. Do you remember mm. Patrick Berger? Oh, yeah. Of course I remember Berger. Good-looking yeah. yeah, um, man. Liverpool. So that's, yes. that, yeah. that's the only one, really. Although, having said that, I did actually then think today, at primary school, I was called Copple at primary school. And it only <laughs> just came back to me today. And all through primary school, I was called that. And I think it was one of those... Ra- would you care to explain who Copple is for those who may uh, not know? Steve Copple. For some reason, <laughs> some kid at primary school said, I looked like Steve Copple. This is when I'm probably like six, seven years old. <laughs> and uh, that name stuck all through primary school until I left the secondary school. I mean, and I mean, I was a kind of kid and he was obviously probably, I don't know how old he was then. You know, he was probably 25, 30s or something. But yeah, so that was a bizarre one because later on, I just didn't see any resemblance at all. I can't top Ram. No, 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 look, let's just be clear. Nobody's topping that, for Christ's sake. Amy Winehouse calls you fucking Elvis. Not just once, twice, oh, just a few times. But yeah, I can't top that. The most, I did get, but I went through a phase uh, which was really weird of being told I looked like that bloke, Matt LeBlanc, who plays Joey in Friends, which didn't make sense to me. That was when I didn't have facial hair myself. 
Uh, and it was when my nose was smaller. Because one thing I've noticed is as I've got older, my nose has got bigger. Either that or it's just I've absolutely lied more in the last <laughs> than I ever lied in my life. You met me yesterday. You can probably figure out what the real answer is. Um, so, But Matt LeBlanc, which I didn't understand, and the one that made even less sense was uh, Billy Joe whatever from, from Green Day, which never made sense to me at all. Ah, and probably increasingly Pinocchio. <laughs> so. I think Pinocchio is probably the main one. I can I see Matt LeBlanc, but uh, but yeah, I'm not sure about Billy Joe, but definitely I can see the Matt LeBlanc. So just to let everyone know, I was just about to rush into the Aston Villa uh, match and, and back to talking about how wonderful it was and how great it was to me. But I, I completely forgot that we need to get into the week that was. And uh, there was a week. It was. Uh, the international break that is coming up actually now sees us not having to suffer like we did the last time. Uh, La Salsa, Romero, Sanchez and Royal have all been called up for their respective uh, South American countries. And sanity has prevailed and the government's announced an exception that means footballers playing international matches in registered countries will no longer have to isolate on their return if they are fully vaccinated. But the bottom line is that all of our players travelling to registered countries during the international break have been fully vaccinated so they will be able to rejoin the club bubble on their return, which sounds vaguely rude to me, actually. Um, we don't know yet whether our players will feature in all three fixtures for their countries. We play Newcastle on Sunday the 17th of October. Players should be back by then, but maybe too late to feature. Yeah, so Brazil and Argentina play late on the Friday, and um, we're playing on the Sunday. So it's possible they'll be back on Saturday, but n- not in time for training or anything like that. So it seems unlikely they'll feature. Mm. And then the Thursday after that, we're away to Vitesse. So I'm not quite sure on what the whether any travel restrictions on them going to the Netherlands are. But they'd definitely be fine for the following weekend. If they were to play against Newcastle, there would be a dereliction of DD. And, and, really, unless they missed concern. their last game again. It's possible. Um, and Colombia play on the Thursday, so mm. it's possible that um, Sanchez might be back. Mm. I think me and Milo had a quick chinwag about the um, possible selection for Newcastle. And we are a bit skinny, yeah. aren't we? So. Yeah. Because Sanchez won't be here, Romero won't be here, and we'll basically have Dyer and Roden, I think, because Tanganga will probably have to play right back because um, uh, Emerson's gone as well. Because yeah. we're up to four players now. We did have yeah. three that were away, so, yeah. Mura. We played Mura. The Mura-Mura derby, yeah. <laughs> In the Proletariat Champions League. Final score was 5-1. It was the game, really, that we couldn't win in any way because everyone thinks that we should be hammering Mura 5-1, you know, albeit that... You know, Real Madrid lost to a team called Sheriff at home, 2-1, in the uh, Wankers Champions League. So, you know, it, th- there are no gimmies in Europe for a start. Let me just say that. So a 5-1 victory is a 5-1 victory. But, but chaps, chip in. Uh, what did you take from the Moura clash? Selection-wise, uh, pretty much a lot we'd think probably in that kind of game. I, was, I think we've said before, and it'd be interesting to see uh, how close Doherty and Winks was to the team, um, to see how much um, gauge, how much faith Nuno still has in them. And they duly started, so that says, you know, he certainly does. Um, two goals up in eight minutes, can't argue with that. That puts us well on our way. Um, got a little bit shaky because they scored a worldie, which was a worldie. And I think it was more Nuno thinking... I could do with this game not going south. So he just, uh, he, you know, he kind of brought the cavalry on. He had to, I suppose. Mm. Well, he thought he had to. I mean, to be honest, I would think that we'd have probably not mm. lost that game anyway and if he hadn't brought them on. But I can understand with the situation with it was that he's just covering his back there. And that then moved Lacelso's position a bit and he, he put in a great half hour at the end there, playing how we'd want him to play and servicing the forwards that came on which was a shame because Scarlett then didn't never get any kind of benefit from that kind of service and I thought Scarlett himself made some quite good runs but then was never never sort of linked up into the play that much yeah I think there might have been a slight um a kind of hangover from the NLD in terms of just confidence and things like that and um it was good we put the game to bed and it was good uh, for uh, the guys that came on to, you know, Ken getting a hat-trick is obviously always a massive plus. Son, again, he's looking really sharp at the moment, as is uh, Lucas. Um, it's just a shame it had to get to that point because I think it does put a few more question marks on. I don't want to say the quality of the squad because, you know, I think we do have a good squad, but maybe the confidence of the um, the non-regular starters. And, you know, the positives are that we, we you know, Romero had another game uh, under his belt. Mm. And, you know, uh, as, as Ricky said, I don't think we would have lost, but we shouldn't really have ever been in a position uh, where that might have looked 
potentially like it wouldn't happen. I do want to return, if I can, to the Scarlet issue and ask you, uh, Milo, I mean, do you think there's any point in playing Scarlet with midfields that couldn't serve a sandwich in terms of in terms of creativity? I don't think it's so much the midfield. <laughs> I think it's the front line. So the three playing behind him are all a bit flat-footed. So, um, you know, when he made the triple sub on 60 minutes, it was all pacier players he was bringing in to play alongside Kane. And I think if there was a bit more of a, a variety in our attack before then, then maybe Scarlett would have benefited from it. So from that point of view... I'm not too bothered, and I, I suspect as the um, as the tournament progresses, the mix there will change. But from his development point of view, I'm not sure it's great. I, I, he did turn up for the under-23s, I think it was last week, but being involved in the first-team squad but not getting many games probably isn't great for his development, and I think we want to avoid uh, a KWP situation where he spends a few years sat on the bench and not playing any football at that age isn't going to be good. I was wondering whether there might be a temptation at the club to pull Parrot back in, in January if we can't bring a striker in, and then maybe that gives uh, you know Parrot would sit on the bench he's doing quite well at NK Dons and that might give Scarlett a chance to play for the under 23s and get some experience before maybe going out on loan next season I think that might be something we might consider interesting yeah it could definitely happen uh, and I suppose looking at the way we operate rather than bringing a short-term you know backup striker for, for you know uh, 29 30 31 it seems like the sort of thing that we would do yeah, I mean realistically he's gonna be sat on the bench and playing in the FA Cup if we get any soft fixtures you know if we've got another marine he'll be playing that wouldn't he I mean that's really what you're looking yeah, at yeah I mean in that sense I, again I, I think something I've said on this before I would rather that we, we you know we got in some uh, some bloke for six months on the short term if he's just going to sit on the bench and come off uh, come on for like you know as you say to play marine in the cup because it seems that Parrot is really benefiting from this loan and it would be a really a great shame I think to break it up just to go and fulfill the uh, you know the position that you were just outlining. So I, I personally, I hope it doesn't happen, but I do agree with you. It seems like the sort of thing we might be considering doing. Um, speaking of strikers, it was nice to see Harry get a hat-trick. I thought actually it was probably very important for him to get a few goals in his legs, if you will. But I do want to ask everyone, and this will be, uh, I think, our segue into the Villa game. Um, Delhi got substituted in the 59th minute, put in a shift, won an early penalty, dispatched an early penalty didn't manage to maybe continue influencing the game in a way that everyone hoped he might. Do we think that, you know, there are seeds of doubt creeping in with regards to whether a role truly can be found for him? I know I've championed his effort and I, and I love the man, but it is even starting to become apparent to me that it is like fitting a size 12 foot into a size 10 and a half shoe. Um, you could do it but you're going to squeeze your toes and maybe not get the full benefit of a comfortable stride. His interview afterwards was really like reflective and quite thoughtful. Did you see the interview mm. after the Mirror game? I did hear about it, yeah. I didn't. I read that. And he, he certainly was with his thoughts there, if you know what I mean, the way he was, the you know, his kind of demeanour. I mean, I feel sorry for him because I think definitely in the close season, he's worked on his physical game. He definitely looks up for it. Um, but I just think, I think I've said this in the chat before, I think he's kind of winksified himself, which basically means the same as Harry Winks. In that, over the last quite a quite a while, he's almost been mispurposed as a player. I think, and this can go all the way back to Poch. You know, when we had the kind of centre midfield mm. injury crisis, and he asked Delhi to do a job in there, and he duly did a job for us there. And I know he got a hamstring injury as well, and then he's had obviously the Mourinho thing as thing. And then when he's come back this year, I've said before, I think Nuno's had a certain group of players to, to start with at the start of the season, whether that's thirteen, fourteen players. He's then found himself as. Yeah, you can do one of the three jobs in centre midfield, so I'm going to put you in there again. And I just don't think it utilises his um, his his greatest skills, really. And I know we could say, well, should we forget the player he was before? But it's almost now thinking that, well, we can't really forget that. That is what he is. And is that the way forward with him to try and repurpose him back in his normal position? Because he even admits himself that playing off the cuff and playing with instinct is his best mm. attributes. And he can get through work in centre midfield, but he's he's obviously has much more time to think in that position when he's then asked to do something more creative. And I just doesn't think that works very well. And the other thing, I mean, spreading it out even more to like the team, I think you can have a player that uh, does a job when you need someone to do a job to fill in. But I don't think you can have a, any players in your team, if you're looking to be top four, that does a job permanently. As in, he's just in there and he can do a job. And I think a case in point was actually a classic one yesterday where um, James Milner done a job at right back 
and then got absolutely torn apart by Foden. So sometimes you're going to get caught out. I'm not saying Delhi would obviously necessarily be on that level, but it just shows that someone doing a job can sometimes be detrimental to you. And I just, I mean, and really, I mean, the questions that come from that is, should or can like Delhi, can he retrain or reskill him? Or are we saying now that we can't really do that? And should we forget what he was before? Because maybe that's what it is, as I said. And um, and also, then I suppose the other final question is: Will we ever set up the team now to accommodate that player that he was? And I mean, admittedly, we've changed formation a bit now, so he's he has got a chance of being a selection for the ten spot. I think the problem with that, though, is that we're trying to put creative players into the ten slot, and he's not that. Um, and when he when he was yeah, effective, yeah, he had Ericsson out to the right of him, who was creating the chances. I think if you're playing Delhi there, you need someone else to be creating the chances because he doesn't really create his own his own opportunities. Yeah, because I think some of the other players not necessarily are that creative, mm. whether it's Moore or Son. But Bergwin could possibly be if he played like to the right side or something like that. I mean, a classic goal, for, a classic classic Delhi is that final goal that Moore scored in Ajax. Mm. Do you remember that? When mm. basically. It gets knocked up to Lorente. Lorente knocks it down, and just on pure instinct. Oh, sorry, pure. Sorry, I have to judge you. Did you just ask us if we could remember that goal? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what well, the biggest goal in the last decade? So he's describing it. <laughs> Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, one of our top moments ever in history. No, as you were. Yeah, that, that, that deft touch by Delhi was just classic him to just pull it exactly where Moron needed it. And he probably wasn't even thinking when he'd done that. It's just, that's what I do, mm-hmm. basically. But we, whether we get into a situation where he would, he'd be in that environment, I'm not quite sure. I think you're saying that, uh, using, a player like Delhi and as someone that can do a job is I think that's the problem there as well which is it is a it is a you know a scenario we're asking him to do which is can you do a job here can you do a job that and Delhi just isn't that sort of player uh peak Delhi you know a, a few seasons ago he was he was someone you could potentially build a team around he was that good you know he was getting double figures goals and assists he was playing on instinct he was he was he you know he had flair and and you and I you know I don't want to call him a luxury player because I think he, there's a lot more to him than just you know luxury player but you know when you have these um some of these talents like Rooney who who you know they're it's like they're just they're playing they're on the playground you know and they're enjoying themselves and that 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 for me was what was happening when we had peak Delhi and asking him to uh, come into midfield and you know and and kind of take him away from his natural game I don't think he's multifaceted enough to be di- or disciplined enough to, to to be in that role you know you have to give him some sort of leeway um, we've called him on this pod before and in the chat we've called him a mercurial talent and um, he that's what he is um, so he's not you know he's never going to be uh, as, as you said Ricky he's never going to be like a, a James Milner type or anything like that you know he's he's Delhi um, and it's really sad because I th- I feel like it is the end. It could be the end of the road for him because I don't think he can retrain himself because he's just naturally it just goes against everything that he he is as a football player. Well, it's interesting. One of the biggest issues I see now, and I, you know, this hurts me because I love him, and to me, he is an embodiment of all that is good about Tottenham Hotspur Football Club in the way we play and the style. But I have to face the fact that he is quite possibly the last remaining remnant of the Poch magic years. In I mean, Harry Kane notwithstanding. But he really is. And I'm holding on to that romance because I want it to be. But this is a, this is a wild stallion being told to tow passengers around in New York, right? On the little, you know, on the little tours, you, you know, the, the tourist horse. But he's not. He's a stallion. He's working hard. He's doing a good job. He's pulling the cart. He's pulling it. Uh, but it's just it isn't it isn't working, is it? I suppose, and it hurts. But yeah, and I think that you know we probably saw in the selection on Sunday that we may definitely be at the end of the road for him in terms of a starter under Nuno in the way Nuno is playing. And uh, speaking of animals, and speaking of Aston Villa at home, we walked out of Northumberland Park Station and I saw a spaniel. You were there, Ram. And for those who don't know, I've had this superstition for a long time. Uh, that if I pet a Spaniel and have some whiskey, we're going to win the game. It worked all through 2017. I saw 12 games. I did that home and away, the games I managed to get over for, and it worked. And sure enough, not only was the Spaniel pettable yesterday, he was happy to see me, wasn't he, Ram? He was very happy to see to It see was you. the beginning of a beautiful thing uh, for, for Tottenham Hotspur on the pitch yesterday. Well, maybe beautiful's a little dramatic, 
Guys, bring me down to earth here. Let's start with the first half. Let's start with that first 20 minutes, which probably wasn't so beautiful between ourselves and Aston Villa at White Hart Lane yesterday. I'm not sure I agree with that analysis, Steph. I thought... What, the Spaniel analysis? <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, I'm pretending that never happened. <laughs> but I've got to ask you, this is a psychologist question. I, what, does it actually disturb you that much? No. No, we'd actually thought we'd lost you, Steph. Well, you, you went missing. Well, I've been lost. <laughs> Many people thought they lost me, mate, and they might very well be right if I go around. We turn around and you weren't there. And, and drinking whiskey and thinking it's, it's altered the course of football history. <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, sorry, sorry, Milo, you were saying that you disagreed with me and I hate to cut you off when you were going to disagree with me. I was expecting a tough match. I thought, I don't really think that Villa ever particularly troubled us. I thought we were pretty on top all the way through. I think... I think it was the first 90-minute performance we've put in since Man City, but there are ups and downs within any game. So, yeah, so that, I mean, that's kind of how I see it. I thought it was a good performance. I don't think there were any passengers particularly in the side. I thought he got the selection right. I thought particularly the players coming into the side, so um, uh, Royale, Romero, Skip, um, all had excellent games. I thought Dyer was very good as well. I thought Reggie actually had his best game he'd had for probably this season. Um, was really up for it. So yeah, I was, I was, I was, um, I was pretty happy. I mean, and I'm probably missing out the best player of the lot there, Son, who had a, a, a fantastic mm. game. Um, you know, set up both goals and probably could have had a handful himself as well. So yeah, I, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, I mean, just to be, just to be clear, guys, before before you come in, what I was actually referring to is maybe not quite the, the greatest football we played was that first twenty minute spell. Um, and I'll get into that myself in a minute. But I agree with everything else you said about the performance. I just think it's sometimes you've got to earn the right to play a game, and I think that's all that's happening in the first twenty minutes. It was just um, you know establishing yourselves and getting yourselves into the game. I expected ninety minutes of that against Villa, to be honest with you, because they're, they're having a good season. Hmm. Yeah, well, let me let me disagree with you once we've got the, the other the other guys in, and then. I'll get into my disagreement on that, but uh, but but uh, well, uh, dealer's choice here, guys. Why don't you uh-huh. jump to the mic and get in there? I, I just think, I mean, add, going on what you're saying there, Steph. I mean, I, the reason we could have been like that for the first twenty minutes is because of what happened in the first twenty minutes against Arsenal. We might have just thought, let's just you know, let's not be anything rash, let's not push too far forward, not do anything, and we felt our way into the game. But yeah, I mean, I agree with Milo in that they're all seven out of ten or plus performances. No one mm. had a bad game. That back four line was brilliant, as in I thought they looked really solid today. And I think both fullbacks contributed in both directions, not over-attacking, but even so, they were strong doing their defensive job as well, very on alert. And even the um, Romero and Dyer definitely looks like the partnership going forward. And if you look at the kind of square of Romero, Dyer, Skip and Hoiberg, there's mm. plenty of firefighters there. They're strong players and there's plenty of people snuffing out trouble. Um, so that's almost built like a strong kind of nucleus there. I love Romero. It just looks like... Um, he actually had to try against Villa in the Mura game. He was even better. He just had to kind of slippers on, really, and he just thought that that was really easy. I think he's a player we're going to love, um, as long as he doesn't get too many red cards. Um, but uh, yeah, and also uh, we went one nil up. Second half, we were one nil up, but didn't do any kind of retreating. We still kept going forward and reacted to the mm. adversity of um, conceding a goal. And uh, uh, we just struck back immediately when before we've been a bit mentally fragile when that's happened. Rem, if I can offer you a pointed question, if you don't mind, because it helped me come back to this 20 minute thing that I'm sort of on about banging on about. I felt I mean, Ricky did say it quite well there. You know, we we sort of uh, were maybe shell shocked and a little cautious in our approach and feeling our way into the game. Uh, I mean, both Ricky and Milo were saying that, you know, I felt that we actually looked a little scared in that first 20 minutes to make the movement that needed to be made. A couple of times I even saw Romero on the ball and 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 actually Royale uh, as well, both looking sort of exasperated because there was nowhere to play the ball. And I thought that, you know, Tongi yesterday, who, uh, you know, is just such an easy target for the world, sadly. And, you know, it, it's, a tra- it, it's a tragic thing and it doesn't need to be. But I felt that he looked a little scared even to, to, to do what he can do because, you know, he knows that he sometimes gets caught out. But there was a moment right before the goal where you felt we need one second ball to be won in a tough way. We need to barrel through someone. We need to really show it, get the crowd into this game. And both Son and Hoybier fought for that ball almost to win it in the, in the yeah. movement that led to the goal. 
Did you notice that particular mm-hmm. switch point? Yeah, that was a definite switch point. I think just before the goal, um, that uh, that play there. I think I wouldn't necessarily say scared. I would say very tentative in in those uh, uh, first twenty minutes, but not. I, I didn't feel we were uncomfortable. I think Villa came at us right at the start, but then we kind of, you know, we were quite composed. I feel like maybe because of what happened the week before um, with the NLD, but perhaps, and it's just conjecture for me, perhaps playing in front of our own crowd, being a bit, um, maybe there was a slight anxiety about how the crowd would um, react, you know, to, to us misplacing passes or try, doing something rash. So maybe they were just trying to keep things, um, you know, uh, just, just kind of straightforward and, and not you know not make it not make any mistakes but I thought we were I thought we were pretty comfortable for uh, most of the game I'm not I don't I haven't seen Villa enough um, to know whether this was uh, the Villa that we should have expected or whether they didn't turn up or whether we made sure that they didn't turn up as they would but yeah you know we were we were on the front foot for quite a long uh, long periods of the game we were disciplined they I thought they were quite disciplined as well to be fair at the back and uh, but we managed to break through a couple of times L- Lucas and Son I think were really driving it was always really good to see that I think Sonny's uh, in having he's he's starting to hit that sort of uh, patch of form mm. where you know he's just really trying to pull stuff off and he's he's really driving at, um, at defences and it's it's lovely to see the defence I thought were really solid um, we've already, already mentioned kind of Dyer and uh, Rodon and, and Reguillon but for me Royale I think was uh, uh, possibly mm. our, our best player at the back he was he was great in, in both halves of the pitch he was great going forward he was solid yeah. at the back you know and he he, he he was quite uncompromising I would say if there was one player who wasn't um, on top of their game uh, out of our uh, the 11 and, and the, the team that finished the game I would say it was Harry um, there's still a part of me that feel you know just watching him in the flesh there was a there is a part of me that thinks there's still a is it disinterest is it um is it you know he's he's just playing within himself I, I don't know um maybe maybe you guys could help with that I don't agree with that I think he put himself about quite a lot and he could have got a couple of goals easily yesterday um he was closing down um I thought he had quite a good game I think we said after the game didn't we Milo that um it just could be a service thing I mean if you don't get much service it is hard work when you're up front and I know he comes deep and wants to get involved in that way but I think but I think if you give him service, he's, you know. I think the whole thing about being there is that you do sense things and this whole concept of body language becomes a little more uh, tangible, shall we say. I, I've got to say, I thought the first half, he looked like he was just, he looked fairly disinterested. And I think, yeah, maybe it is to do with learning where the where the creativity, quote unquote, is coming from in this system. Maybe it is to do with where you know, the, the, where the moves are going to happen. I mean, one of the worries I had in that first 20 minutes was it didn't seem like we had a particular strategy to get the ball to him. There wasn't any real, um, you know, uh, there weren't set plays or whatever you want to call them. There weren't, there wasn't a, there wasn't a style per se. There wasn't any, you know, preconceived way that we were going to attack. It didn't seem that way. We, I thought, found our way into that game thanks to the guile and, 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 and energy of, of Hoiberg's son. Uh, I mean, because even Sonny looked a little frozen to me at first. Um, and Skip as well. I think those three really gave us the platform. And once they caught fire, it seemed to me, then Harry did. You know, not to leave out Royale either, you know. But it mm. seemed that Harry, you would look to Harry to be a catalyst, or I would. But he reacted mm. to the energy around him rather than dictated it. And I think that for yeah. me was, was really strange. Because as Milo said, you know, by the end of the game, you're looking. And, I mean, he should have scored. He would usually put his one-on-one mm. away. He had a quite brilliantly audacious free kick attempt, mm. which, if it had gone in, would have been not only one of the goals of the season, but one of the cheekiest goals, I think, in many, many a year. Um, and he had that absolutely gorgeous flick to, to, to the Celso that we that I don't think we even talked about it yesterday after the game because we just no. almost expect it. But it was mm. glorious. So, you know, in a sense, by the end of the game, you're looking you're like, wow, you know, he's finding his form again. But it was reactive energy to me. Do you think that's a fair comment or not? I think quite often what we're going to get out of Harry is it'd be the team sort of carrying him along and he'll do all the brilliant things he does normally, like he's great at finishing and that kind of thing, rather than him be, as you say, a catalyst to sort of think, 
come on, lads, I'm going to drag you along, if you see what I mean. I mean, we still get great things out of him because he's a great player. So when it comes to the scoring, the finishing, and even those moments, like you said yesterday there, Steph, with the flick, as long as he's involved, he'll he'll do what he does. But I don't think... Without saying, like, oh, he won't go the extra mile himself, I think if we start getting successful and start really playing as a team, he'll get carried along with that, I think, and he'll he'll like it and he'll love it and he'll like to play. He's definitely not going to go full-on down tools like some other players and just walk around like um, Berbatov or something on a yeah, bad I day. Mean, he had six shots yesterday, four of which were on target. You'd expect it from a striker, but that's the most of anyone in the squad, with an XG of uh, 0.6. Yeah, I, I, I just think people are reading too much into body language and what have you I just I don't I just think he's he's a slow start to the season this always happens and I thought I thought he looked good yesterday I thought he put himself about he had plenty of chances I, I don't have a problem with him when he's getting shots away uh, yeah I was far, far more worried earlier on when it when he wasn't getting shots away you know the Palace when he didn't get a touch in the box that's when I'm concerned mm. I think it'd be fine the question isn't whether he'll be fine of course he's going to be fine he's Harry Kane I mean he is going to be fine but would you not even concede that there is a difference between you know, a player who, uh, you know, is leading... Fully on form Kane as opposed to slightly off form Kane. Yeah, I think there's a difference there. I don't I don't think there's... I don't think he's... Um, it's not my question. I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's an issue with um, his commitment or anything like that. I think people are just reading too much into it. So you don't feel he is in any way different in terms of his presence and, and, and effect on the team? And uh, form, form notwithstanding, we've agreed that he's so form. You don't see any difference in the way he has been to the previous seasons that we've seen him. I think this is early early season Kane. I don't think this is any different to that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We we agree to disagree. I I, I, I disagree, but uh, I, and I, I must admit, I think I'm with Ricky in the sense of I do think he is going to be much more reactionary than proactive this season. My word, I hope uh, that I am completely wrong and that I am wearing a, a big fried egg on my face come December. And it's not even about goals to me, really, because let's face it, it's not scored in the league this season. It's not about goals. It's it's about just what it's about watching the chemistry come together around him. You you never know. Um, if he's if he's more reactionary and doesn't go charging around, he might actually look like, like look after his ankles a bit better. That <laughs> might be a good side effect. That's a very good point. That's a great point as well. Yeah, maybe and maybe that's maybe that you know you may have a point. Maybe that's what we're witnessing. Maybe we're witnessing a Harry who's being a little more protective of himself. Fair enough, but you know, okay. Well, let's get we'll get off the Harry Kane point because I know that we've got to move things on quickly. And I do want to talk a little bit about Oliver Skip. I thought he was magnificent yesterday, um, and I thought he was actually the reason that Pierre uh, Emile Hoybier was able to have such a good game too. Uh, are we in agreement uh, with that observation? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, one a great thing about being at the game yesterday as well was um, being able to see the pitch uh, as opposed to seeing it on TV. And and one thing I you know I, I watched Skip for a bit um, his movement and there's so many little things he does. Like for example, when Villa were breaking forward, he just he put himself in a position where they weren't a, able to make that pass through you know through the lines or anything like that. And he did it on a number of occasions and he made a few interceptions as well. And just around that, he was being very combative and you know and shielding that back four as well really well so really impressed with him and and um I just think what a player what a player we potentially could have there yeah I thought he had a good game yesterday and I certainly agree in terms of Hoybier had a better game as a result of it I think it's the right midfield selection for now because of the problems we've had I'm a little worried going forwards that um it's a bit one track and there's not enough creativity there so I think as the team settles, that's something that we might need to um, break up and it's one or the other. And that kind of plays into another thing that I was thinking about in terms of Ndombele playing at number 10. I don't think we get the best out of him there. I think he's a player who's far better with um, the pitch in front of him. By playing him at number 10, you take his passing out of his game. So all you've got is, is him taking players on. And, and even then, you know, the way he does that is he initiates contact. And that means that he, uh, currently he's initiating contact against centre-halves rather than against central midfielders. It's so true. It's so true. And there's an example that backs up everything you're saying when he actually got played through yeah. from that number 10 role. And he just, it's it just, it's not in his makeup to be 
to take that chance. I mean, you just knew it wasn't going to happen. It's exactly what you say. Yeah, it's really well, really well So I think um, out of the two, I prefer the Celso there, who's got, he's just a little bit sharper with his passing. He can play those quick passes off. Um, whereas I think Nobele, you know, with the with the pitch in front of him, he's got a lovely range of passing, and and, and certainly over distance, I think it's probably better. But um, yeah, we saw against Mora, um, for I think it was Kane's second, where he he um, did the kind of back clip pass into Sun's path, um, and then Sun crossed it uh, for for Kane, and it was a lovely pass, and uh, you know he didn't he didn't think about it. Whereas I think, yeah, and Dembele is you know, slightly different, maybe not as well suited to that number 10 position. We don't get the best out of him. He still he could still do it. He's still good. But um, yeah, I just prefer him a bit deeper. Yeah, I think um, as soon, hopefully when the front four settle or maybe if they hold on to the ball more, it depends what tactics we're playing, whether we're still counter or whether we're going to play mm. with those four up front with the idea that they're going to be a lot more kind of necked work together. I mean, as soon as that kind of mm. establishes itself, then... Then someone next to Skip or Hoiberg can work, especially in games where the team's a bit of a lesser yeah. team. And maybe Hoiberg and Skip are definitely the go-to when you need to play Liverpool and Man City and all those kind of guys, really. I think I agree with Lacelso. I mean, Lacelso a bit, he, he reminds me that he could be probably in a little bit more advanced position, but similar to like, David Silva used to be where he really can connect the dots between those forward guys and play angled passes. Mm-hmm. And because he's a busy bee, isn't he? He likes, and you're going to get the defensive shift out of Lascelles as well, even if it's like dark art stuff, because he likes a bit of that as well. And he takes no nonsense. I think at the end there, he steamed in mm-hmm. in the corner, didn't he? When when yeah. their player was standing over Kane or yeah, something, right. and he just ran over because I'm not having none of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he says I'm not having none of that. I think that was time wasting, wasn't it? I think he was trying to get. Uh, create a yeah. reaction in order yeah. to wind we did down very the good time wasting didn't we oh, at yes, the end lovely, wasn't it? Yeah. I, th- I think we ought to spend as long talking about that as we did wasting time <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if one of if can one I... of us makes a comment and the other one shields it and then uh steph can come clattering <laughs> in knock the ball out, and then we'll just recycle it and do it again and again and again just fade out the pot that way <laughs> mm. could we just have a word for the hoiberg yeah. goal it's lovely because yeah. um Oh, it was very, like, it was very much I thought in the image of the great man that adorned the old front cover of yesterday's program, right. where we're hearing a Pierre Emile Hoybier Jimmy Greaves comparison. It, it absolutely, <laughs> it absolutely was. It was cool as you like. It was like I see the corner of the goal. I can't see a defender there. I can't see the goalkeeper there. I'll just pass it into there as though it's the coolest and easiest thing in the world, to, just like Greavesy used to do. And considering he's meant to be a bit of a midfield kind of, you know, a midfield not hatchet man, but a midfield, you know. <laughs> No, he's, that's a very good finish for someone like that. And you can add that. So the one at Wren was a very good finish yeah. as well. Yeah. So that's two now. He's done really cute finishes. Yeah. So You're fair right. play to that man. Well, well called. Sorry, I yeah. was about to get annoyed with him for, uh, <laughs> for uh, not, not laying it off for Kane. But then, yeah, he just beautifully passed it into the corner. I think we probably ought to spend a little while talking about the change of formation because that's probably the story of the of the last week. Since you know, half-time against Arsenal when he switched to a 4-2-3-1, um, he stuck with it. I think... Probably Nuno deserves credit for being able to get the team to bounce back from that performance last weekend because, um, it, yeah, the squad must have been pretty low on Monday and Tuesday. And I think, I think yesterday was, it was a good performance. And I think <laughs> I was thinking back to the episode we did two weeks ago where we were picking Nuno's, uh, uh, perfect 11. And I think I said on that that he won't play 4 2 3 1 because he's never done it anywhere in his career. And, um, <laughs> he's made me look like an idiot. Um, so. <laughs> or he's listened to you. Milo, repeat after me. Nuno doesn't stand a chance of getting us in the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> Just if you say it, he'll hear it, as Ricky says. <laughs> but he does listen to this pod. And it appears to me you might have the words that move him. So now, but you've got to say it, you've got to say it. I need to set the challenge now. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not some, I'm not some spaniel you can stroke outside the stadium, Steph. <laughs> 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 I would pet you if I could get away with it. <laughs> Blimey, I'd need more whiskey, but all right. That was a, not, a, not a problem yesterday. I was just saying, following on from what Milo's saying there, maybe that's a little bit more of the old pragmatic Nuno, and he maybe thinks that there's some 4-2-3-1 DNA in this team, and he might just think, you know... I mean, I, can't, I mean, having said that, some of the players are different, so I haven't got a clue whether... 
Hoiberg played that at Southampton or, you know, Rom- uh, Romero, well, Romero didn't play that at Atlanta, but, and all the other players, but some of our others, you know, the Canes, the Moras, the Suns. We played it plenty last season under Mourinho. Yeah, I did have a look at that and I couldn't work out because some people were saying he played one thing, then he changed to another we thing. Normally, but... We normally defended 4-4-2, but, um, but in attack, it was normally a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of history there where players maybe can fall back into that quite easily. And especially the front four have proved, proven quite a lot that they're happy with that. And maybe the 10 roll then is a bit... Because I think Mora had some good games in the in the middle 10 roll last year. I think that was mainly playing on the break though, wasn't it? So I think... Um, yeah. You know, yeah, possibly against maybe the bigger teams, you might want to do it there. But I think um, against the lower half, where you you need a bit more craft, um, I, I don't mm, I don't think he's well suited to it. Yeah. But there are options, as in you know, it's a bit more flexible. We've got the option um, as we have used like uh, between Tangai and Lacelso, and I think we were chatting about it yesterday. Um, I know you and I were Milo and and Ricky as well. Mm. But this whole scenario of you know one week we think. Tango's the answer. The uh, the next week, it's Lacelso's the answer. <laughs> and I just, I you know, wh- how how do you solve that? How do you? Where, which way are we going to go? Because it feels like it's a conundrum that Nuno might not be able to solve. Not because he can't as a manager, but <laughs> I think with two games a week, there's a chance for them both to play there and one and wait for one of them to establish themselves. I mean, the next mm. game against Newcastle, you know, we've already covered this that Lacelso probably won't be back in time for that. So that suggests that Ndombele will start that one. And, you know, you've also got Brian who can play there as well. So there's there's others as well. Yeah. So it's it's not a position where short I mean, you know, arguably Kane can play there and Sun can play in front of him as well. So um we've got lots of options there. Yeah. So let's 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 move this on because I know otherwise we'll get a big clip around the ear for uh, for waffling because my word I could waffle all night about yesterday. One of the one of the great days no one of the great days uh, that I've had for a couple of years and very seriously uh, for me personally to you know I think COVID has affected everyone uh, in their own way for me especially it affected me in, in ways that I didn't know it had and it was just such a joyous occasion yesterday so uh, I'm perfect being perfectly serious it was like medicine to me it was a really really important and healing uh, and healing day um, so yes, I could waffle on about it all day. I won't. I will say that we had 17 shots yesterday, 13 of which were on target. Um, there's uh, the XG 1.78 and to 1.07, and I'm not even a big believer that XG you know captures all the the creative uh, moments that that you create. And I think we created so many yesterday. Uh, we we could have won by 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 four one at least. I can't remember if we've made mention of the genius that was the second goal, but my word, what a move. Yeah, I think Mora was robbed not having that um, given to him. I've watched, I've replayed it, you know, watched it back several times and it clearly looks like he gets the last touch on on it and yeah. and, and the goal doesn't yeah, happen I, without him. I, I don't really understand why that wasn't given no, to him. I completely agree. It must have been a gooner uh, uh, working for the Premier League there, I think, uh, trying to do something. By the way, um, uh, I just want to point out that uh, the normal and natural order of life has been restored and uh, you know they are below us again in the table uh, well done hope you've enjoyed the, 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 the greatest game you'll have of your season We're, we've got nowhere f- to go but up in ours so that being said chaps let's have some final thoughts and let's uh, let's have a positive and a negative uh, three, two, one, Ricky um, my positive is the back four were look super solid and that's a great start because I suppose it's the base of the team and a couple of negatives one is it's unfortunate that we look like we had a good all-round performance and now we bump ourselves into another international break, which is just a pain in the bum. <laughs> and the other negative was, I think Nuno was quite complimentary about the crowd, but I still think we can do better mm. at the lane there to get behind the team. I think it's a bit of um, it's a bit of Nirvana, really. Here we are now, entertain us, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> oh, nice. uh, it is, they do come as they are these days, mm. don't they? <laughs> It'd be nice if they come with the amount of spare seats <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Be nice to turn up. <laughs> says says us that turn up every week. <laughs> yeah. Ram. Positive is how we bounce back from our last league game. I thought we bounced back and I thought uh, we put in a really good performance, um, a much needed good performance. Uh, negative was conceding because I don't think the back forward, um, I felt like it was uh, harsh on them to concede the goal. Uh, so I'll say not keeping a clean sheet. Uh, my positive was um, Royale. I thought it was our best 
kind of best performance from a right back for us probably since um, Trippier was in his pomp. So kind of that first season after after Walker left, I think um, it's yeah probably best since then. Um, negative, I thought Nuno was a bit slow to make the changes. I think uh, Ndombele probably could have come off ten minutes earlier than he did, and uh, Hill was sat on the it was uh, standing on the side for quite you know quite a long time, and it, it ended up being you know a good ten minutes and ended up being um, a time wasting substitution in the end rather than a positive one. Um, so yeah, a little, little bit reactive, a little bit slow to make those changes. Yeah, I think uh, my main positive was the fact that we actually started to free flow a lot more in the second half and really create uh, chances. It seems off the cuff and believe in ourselves. That was a real, we, you know, everyone finally seemed to believe. Hey we are better than them and we can do this and we can create for each other. And it was nice to see that swell of belief coming through and to not buckle at 1-1, to actually immediately come back and get that second goal. Otherwise, the corridor of uncertainty would have been massive, I think. So that was, well, that's two positives, isn't it, in one. And I think the, the real negative for me right now is I just would like, I'd, I'd like Nuno to... We were talking about this in, in the in the WhatsApp thread before WhatsApp got killed by hackers. That, that you know he's got to step up, and now he's got to protect himself because it feels like he's an easy punching bag for anyone and everyone. And you know he won't get any praise when he he'll get you know, faint praise when he does something positive. But my word, he gets something wrong or something goes. You know, then he's everyone reminds you of the you know sixth choice or so on and so forth. I think I want to see him step up a little bit. And, and just tell the world, hey, tea break's over. This is my fucking team. And we did it today and we're showing you. And we're going to keep on showing you. I would like to see more of that. The biggest positive of all, though, yesterday, and I'm going to come back to the beginning of the pod, was um, us being able to meet up with each other and hang out. Uh, that was an amazing thing. And uh, it really was. It was the biggest It was the biggest positive of the day. And, uh, and uh, just, you know, thank you all very much uh, for... For mm-hmm. being there, and uh, um, I thank myself for being there for you as well. Actually, it was not all about. <laughs> well, I, it's just great that we all, you know, we've all we've all come from various corners to, to to make it into the ground and various situations and so on and so forth. And uh, ironically, for our listeners, uh, this is the first time we've recorded a pod in the same country. And you might notice that there's a slight drop off in quality in my recording. <laughs> it's because. I'm not in California with my usual home setup and home internet and all that stuff. The irony of ironies, eh? We're closer than ever, but it might be a bit dodgy on the audio. And it is time for us to say thank you very much, guys. Again, just just a brilliant. Next week, proper football takes a break so that Sarah Ca- so so that Sarah Galthgate, otherwise known as Gareth <laughs> Southgate, <laughs> can get his waistcoat out of the wardrobe. But we'll be back as normal with a special episode on something other than the game that weekend. It's that time of the episode where we ask ever so nicely if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help spread the word about the Games About Glory and helps us pick up new listeners. Again, go through the archives. There's loads of great stuff. You'll love it. Trust us. Trust me. Really. Trust me. Despite my Pinocchio nose. Um, And you can find us on Twitter and possibly Instagram, <laughs> to be revealed next week, if <laughs> that's still the case. So give us a follow and say hello. As always, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week.